Good morning. Seriously? Good morning. Summer at the movies. Come on. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and we're very excited to have at least this side of the congregation with us this morning. Um, and, you know, it's the second week of Summer at the movies. New Heights goes to Disney World. We're going to Disney World. I, uh, if you weren't here last week, um, I explained why we are doing Disney uh, this year because I am a, I love I love me some Mickey, you know I, I love Disney I, I uh, love Disney World, love Disneyland, love the movies, love the store. I even worked at the store and had the sweater and the gray polyester pants and pink button-down shirt. Everything I did it. There are no pictures, um, but it was you know I, I just love Disney and most every Disney movie has a message to it. You know, Summer at the Movies, what we try to do is we try to take from Hollywood something and redeem it. Uh, not a lot of what comes out of Hollywood is really very redeemable, but there are some things that you can take. And I love doing that every year um, because a lot of times the people that write this have no belief in Christ and probably look down on us and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah, watch this, Jesus. And uh, so we do that every year. And this year is Disney. Last week we did A Bug's Life. This week is a toy story, and it is a story about toys. You should have been able to pick up on that from the title. Um, It's a great movie. Uh, Tim Allen and Tom Hanks are uh, the main characters in it. Uh, They play Woody and Buzz Lightyear. And uh, it's basically a a buddy story. Uh, There's a lot of different messages that run through it. Uh, As most Disney movies, there are all kinds of little intertwining messages that go through it. But there's one in particular that I want to pull out of this one, and it's something that's really kind of important to me and has really hit me hard this week. You ever known anybody that was a big deal? You know, just, they're a big deal. The guy that stands over here uh, most every Sunday, uh, Jeff, is my brother-in-law. And, you know, he's a big deal. I mean, I I just, I'm going to put it out there. Dude's a big deal. In our family, that's kind of, my wife especially calls him big deal, and you know, he calls himself Big Deal. Um, he's a big deal. You know, when he walked into a room, people were like, hey, there's Jeff. You know, he's, a, he's one of those guys with a personality that that just, he's a big deal. You know, that movie, I don't know how to say this without sounding conceited, but I'm a big deal. You know, and that's Jeff. Uh, Jeff's a big deal. He's, he's got a good job. He's got a big deal kind of job. He works with money. He's a mover. He's a shaker. He's a business guy. He shakes hands. He's all over the place. He's a big deal. You ever known anybody like that? You know, they walk into the room, you're like, she's a big deal. You know, he, that dude, that dude's a big deal. You know, there are people that just kind of command that. You know, they walk into the room, and by the way, Jeff will be signing autographs in the parlor after the service. You know, they walk into the room, and people start going, ooh, there's Jeff, or there's so-and-so. Oh, here they come, you know. And, and there's a lot of reasons why we call these people big deals. You know, some of it is their job. A lot of times if somebody has a big deal job, like somebody is the only neurosurgeon that specializes in this one thing throughout the entire country, dude walks in the room, people are like, I got a big deal. Or somebody's a movie star. You know, Brad Pitt, walks, Brad Pitt walks into the room, there's going to be some screens, some treats, and other people go, that guy's a big deal. And then the ladies will do something too. Some people are just big deals. Athletes, you know, we go, oh, that guy's a big deal. That girl's a big deal. You know, some people it's because of where they live. Some people it's, 
you know, what they wear, what they drive, how much money they have. We put these little monikers of big dealism on people. You know, the world likes to say that this person's a big deal why this person isn't. You know, who's to say why, really? But you know in your life, you're kind of going through a list right now, and I bet you're thinking of kind of the big deal people you know, the people that kind of carry that little persona. Oh, well, they're a big deal. Maybe you're going, I'm a big deal. How many of you are doing that? I'm the big deal. Anybody? If you're a big deal, you're going to raise your hand anyway. Yeah, somebody back there is honest enough to go, dude, I am. (laughs) It's me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so there's big deal kind of people. And, you know, Buzz Lightyear thinks he's a big deal, right? If you remember from the beginning of the movie, he walks in, he's like, I am Buzz Lightyear. You know, the rest of you bow down to me, slotted pig. You know, I mean, this is what he calls the pig. And he thinks he's a big deal. See, the thing is, it's not who you are in this world. It's whose you are. See, that's the thing you've got to remember. It's not who you are, but it's whose you are. Let's watch this clip and see what happens when Buzz finds us out. You should get out of here while you can. 
What are you doing? I thought you... Come on, Sheriff. There's a kid over in that house who needs us. Now, let's get you out of this thing. Yes, sir. Come on, Buzz. We can do it. Uh, Woody, it's the moving van. We gotta get out of here now. right before this clip took place is Buzz found out that he was just a toy. All along, he believed that he was a space ranger, that he was better than everybody else. He's, you know, he's not snobby. He's just better than they are. And, and then he sees this TV commercial, and he realizes that there are hundreds and thousands, or maybe even thousands of toys just like him, and that he is just a toy. And, and so Woody has to go through this whole thing that yeah, you're a toy, but you're Andy's toy. And you see kind of the, the process as he's explaining it to Buzz. He himself goes, man, what am I worth now? But they're Andy's toy. I love that image of him picking his foot up and seeing what is inscribed on the bottom of his foot. Andy. If you've got your Bibles, open up to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Very end. Basically, this is what's going on in Revelation chapter 3. Jesus is writing some letters to some churches in Asia Minor. There's seven letters, seven churches. This is the sixth one. Verse 7 is where I am in chapter 3, the church of Philadelphia. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true. He is the one who has the key of David. He opens doors and no one can shut them. He shuts doors and no one can open them. I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can shut. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. Look, I will force those who belong to Satan to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the world, the whole world, to test those who belong to this world. Look, I am coming quickly. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never leave it. And I will write my God's name on them, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And they will have my name inscribed upon them. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen to the Spirit and understand what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Now, there's all kinds of big deals in this world. All kinds of people who we look at and we say it's a big deal. The media tells us they're a big deal. They tell us that they're a big deal. Because of their job, because of what they, the money they have, where they live. But here's what I'm going to tell you today. The only big deal in my eyes is Jesus Christ. I'm a big deal. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that. I'm a big deal. Because when I turn my foot over, I have Jesus written on it. It's not because of who I am. It's because of whose I am. It's because who created me and who I belong to. I'm a big deal because of Christ. In the time this was written, it's interesting that 
the name of God was everywhere. Well, the name of God was everywhere. See, this is written to people and churches that were located throughout Asia Minor, which was controlled by the Roman Empire. At the time, Caesar declared himself God. And whichever Caesar was basically in power would go around and put his name on everything. You know, if this building is built, it's my building. This is my money. This is my street. This is my Agora shopping mall. Declaring himself God everywhere you turn was the name of God. And a new Caesar would come in, a new name would go up. In the shopping malls, the Agoras of the time, if you went to go sell something there, you had to first dedicate it to God, the God of the hour. And you'd get your little stamp or your certificate saying that you dedicated all the things you were going to sell to Zeus or to Flavian or to whoever it was, and you would take it to your little stand and you would sell it. So if you're coming in to buy something, you're buying something that was dedicated to God. The name of God was everywhere, and if you didn't bow down to that name, you could be killed. Now, for Christians, this kind of created a dilemma. For people that believed in Jesus Christ, because they knew only one God. There is only one God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. So how can we walk into this situation? Well, knowing that the true name of God is more powerful than all of those things. And that the true name of God is inscribed upon their heart and their soul. See, I had a tough week this week. It was uh, it was pretty crazy. I, we just moved, uh, so we were trying to get out of one house and trying to get into another house. We still don't have a bathroom um, at our new house. I took a shower this morning um, holding a shower curtain up with one hand while I was shampooing with the other uh, with my one-year-old son going, Hey! Um, <laughs> like, like, let go of the curtain. Um it, you know, it was just a, our AC is, is kind of hit or miss right now in the house. And I don't know if you've been to South Texas lately. Um, so it's, it's been an interesting week try, trying to move everything. And, and then my, uh, my aunt, who we named our son after, uh, decided it was time to go be with her husband and Jesus. And so I had to fly up to Dallas and do her funeral, which was the most emotionally painful thing I've ever had to do. And then I fly back and get right back into moving and loading and taking trash and hauling trash and sweating. And and I hate, I don't like to sweat. I know I live in South Texas, get over it. I don't like to be dirty. And yesterday at 11 o'clock, I had a baptism to do. So in the midst of all of this, um, you know, there is rarely ever a day in my life that I've gone without taking a shower. And so yesterday just happened to be that day. And uh, Daryl announced you earlier that we are opening the coffee shop for an open house tonight at 630 in the meantime, our espresso machine decided that it had given up its life as well. Um, and so I got a call, and we're trying to figure this out. I found a replacement. I drive way out. I put my suit on first because I'm not going to have time. So I drive way out, have my Red Sox hat on because that's what I've been wearing for the past week. And I get the, the unit. I come back down. I do the baptism, take off my, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, hello, um, and, and do the baptism with my robe on and just get even more sweaty. Try wearing my robe, you'll understand someday. Um, and it just horrible, and I felt bad for the family. I was like, I probably stink, I'm sorry, but give me your child and we'll baptize them. Um, and 
all this stuff. Then I go to the coffee shop. I plug the new espresso machine in, and blam, sparks. I mean, like, came at me, just brrr, little sparks everywhere. And I was like, unplug it, unplug it. Um, so we opened tonight at 6.30, and I, I'm just going to, anybody got an espresso machine? <laughs> it's kind of important to what we're doing. Um, okay. So all this stuff going on, uh, we still have workers at our house. We're not done. It's, just, it's been a week, okay? We all have these weeks. And then I start thinking about, okay, what if the coffee shop doesn't even work? <laughs> it's becoming real, real fast for me. You know, for, I've been working on this for over a year, and it's been kind of just out there. It's a vision that God's given me. Okay, but now it's going to actually be open, and people are going to come in, and they're going to want something. Like, I don't know, coffee. And... What if it doesn't work? And we've invested a lot of money in this. I've invested a lot of time in this. And, wow, what happens then? Okay, this is a good message for me to hear today. Okay, so the coffee machine blows up. Whatever. Come in, you can get a smoothie. You can get some pour-over coffee. I still belong to Jesus Christ. I may lose, I'm not going to lose my job over this, but if I did lose my job over this, and Jenna and I lost our house, and we moved down to underneath the bridge, and y'all came and visited us every month to feed us under the bridge, and we were down there. doesn't matter. Because I have Jesus Christ in my heart and in my soul, and I am worth something. I love the question that Buzz asks himself. Why would Andy want me? Anybody ever ask themselves that? Why would God love me? Why would God love me? Because you know who you are. Nobody else may truly know who you are, but you do. Why would God love me? Why would God want me? Let me tell you something. Because you are awesome. You are so cool. You may not have a helmet that goes... But you are so awesome and lovingly created. God sat down and purposefully thought of you and created you. Think about that. God thought of you and said, bam, here's going to be a guy who's going to be kind of funny. He thinks he's a lot funnier than he is. He's going to be kind of smart, but not really smart. He's going to be good at talking in front of crowds. I'm going to lead him to lead people to me. Bam. He's going to hate spiders. He's going to be really allergic to poison ivy. Like seriously, if there's any in the room, I got it. Already, and it'll swell up tomorrow. Bam. I mean, he took time to think of exactly who I would be, exactly what I would look like. It just it astounds me that he would think so much of me and so highly of me that he would take time to create me lovingly. And he did the same thing for you. And he did the same thing for those big deals of our world. And he did the same thing for the garbage collectors and the homeless. And every person that has ever been on this earth, God thought of and took the time to create. This does two things in my eye. It makes me look at myself a little differently. And it makes me look at other people a little differently. We all have a name inscribed on the bottom of our foot. (laughs) Some of us have Jeff written on the bottom of our foot. 
Just kidding, Jeff. But some of us have our own name. Some of us have the name of something else. The name that can open any door that will never be closed. The only name that can do that is the name of Jesus. I mean, listen to what he says that. He tells the people in Philadelphia, he tells all of us, if you believe in me, if you trust me, and if you come through this victorious holding on to me, I will write my name on you. I will write my name on you. And it will never be erased. I don't know what, what y'all do for a living. I don't know where you are in your life. You know, I'm a pastor. Some people think a little more highly of me because of that. More people think a little less of me because of that in this world. Because of my personality, some people think one way about me. Other people think another way about me. Because I dress the way I do, people think one way about me. But at the end of the day, no matter what happens in my world, no matter what happens to me, I have the name of Christ tattooed on me. And no laser technology will get rid of it. I was listening to an NPR story the other day, and it was uh, This American Life, and they were talking about the Ten Commandments, and one of them is, Thou shalt not lose the Lord, the uh, name of the Lord in vain. And this guy is a Jewish guy, and he's telling this story about when he was growing up and going to his Hebrew school, and his name is Shalom. And that, you know, it's a little interesting name, but not for a Jew necessarily. But here's the kicker. There are 72 different names for God that the Jews have. Shalom happens to be one of them. You can't say, you can't write the name of God. can't write it. It's a respect thing. It's a reverence thing. It's an honor thing. You can't write the name of God. So the kid's in school. And what do you do in school? You put your name on the top of your paper. So he writes Shalom at the top of his paper. His rabbi is walking around the class and sees it. He goes, name of God, name of God. Starts freaking out. And he starts freaking out. He's like, what? And he's like, the name of God. He's pointing at this kid's name. He's like, that's my name. And the guy's like, the rabbi said, you can never write that. He could never write his name. He had to take his paper, he had to go upstairs in this little rabbinical school, he had to stick it in this box, I I can't remember the term for the box right now, but what they do is when a Torah is is tired and worn out, when the book, they stick it in this box, when the box is full, they bury it. So his homework assignments had to go in the box. His mother would write his name on his lunch bag. His lunch bag had to go in the box. Anytime somebody would send him a note, he said, and it got caught by the rabbi in the box. The rabbi's like, your name is no longer Shalom, it's Shalom. Take the M off, put an apostrophe on there. I've, I have a lot of friends um, who, when they send me emails, not a, lot, a few friends, and the name of God is in there, they write G underscore D. I don't know if any of you have ever received that, because they don't want to write the name of God, because of the reverence for it. And... I've gone back and forth on this. I've always written the name of God. Um, usually if I'm writing, I just write JC. Uh, that's my short, that's Jesus Christ, um, my shorthand for that. But I started thinking about that. And, and I understand the roots of it, and I understand the tradition and the history and, and the text behind it. But here's my thing. 
I want everything I have to have the name of Jesus written on it. Everything. You know, you're sent to summer camp and your mom wrote in the back of your shirt, in the back of your underwear, Michael. You know, so if they, you know, hey, this is Michael's underwear, you know, Tuesday. I want everything to have his name on it. I, I want my entire life to be about Christ. You know, I, I'm a pastor and, and I do this stuff and I have the coffee shop and I have our house and our home and our kids and all that stuff. If I forget what name is attributed to me, if I forget whose I am, all of that will go wrong. I've got to remember that I belong to Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ, because I believe in him and have accepted the gift of salvation and freedom, he has written his name on me and it's never, never coming off. Whose are you? Who do you belong to? We live in a society and in a world and in a community that places a lot of value on who you are. Forget about that. It means nothing. What matters is whose you are. The worship team is coming up right now. And, and last week I stopped, uh, or I stopped worship kind of, and we continued it. And, and we did that thing that Pastor Hector had done in, in Mexico. And I just really felt by this, led by the Spirit to do that. And it, it was cool and awesome if you weren't here. You missed it. Um, <laughs> it was awesome. This week, I, I want to do something similar. We're not going to have an altar call because we're Methodists and we just don't do that. Um, but I want you to know that, that I'm going to be up here after the service. There's going to be some prayer people over here after the service. These guys mill around after the service. Our hospitality team is back there after the service. If you don't know whose name is written on you, come talk to us. If you've never given your life to Christ, if you have never said, God, I just want to write your name on my feet, on my hands, on my heart, on my head, wherever. I want you to be a part of my life. Come talk to us. Because sometimes we have rockets taped to us. And somebody wants to send us to the moon. I tell you, there's no better feeling than to look down at the bottom of your foot and see the name of Christ. If you've never done that, please, please. I did it late in life. If you've never done it and you're embarrassed, don't worry about it. Come down. Talk to us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for being a God of love, a God of peace. Lord, we thank you so much that you, you love each one of us so much that you thought of us and created us to be just who we are. Lord, you know who we are. And you love us even still. You know who we are, and you are willing to die for us. God, I pray that for those of us that have known this saving grace and this love, that we would remember that. That we would remember whose name is inscribed upon us. And that we would live our lives to reflect that. And Lord, for those of us that don't know that, we've never known this love and this peace. God, open our hearts, that we may be able to accept you. Give us the courage or whatever it is that we need, the little nudge to come forward and to give our life to you.
glory, thank you, and praise you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.